days today. Yeah, the notes are provided in your, in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. It's called The Great Label Maker. In the month of October, we're going to be looking at the world of labels in which we live. Some of the labels that we wear are penned on us by ourselves. We're going to talk about many of those next week. But some of the labels that we wear are attached to us by others or by circumstances. This morning we're headed to 2 Samuel chapter 9 in your Bible. 2 Samuel chapter 9, where we will discover that there's only one label that really matters, and it only comes through God's grace. Second right. Samuel chapter 9. And I'm going to read the whole chapter out loud today. I hope you follow along silently as I read it. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant, whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually." And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldst look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him. And thou shalt bring in the fruits, that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread alway at my table." Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servants, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem. For he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture today. And as we look at it in depth, I pray that our hearts would be touched by the Holy Spirit of God. That you would impress your will and your purpose on each of our lives by your grace. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please listen to this song?
I have returned to the God of my childhood, to the same simple faith as a child I once knew. Like the prodigal son, I long for my loved ones. For the comforts of home and the God I outgrew, I have returned to the God of my childhood, Bethlehem's babe, the prophet's Messiah. He's Jesus to me, eternal deity. Praise his name. I have returned. I have returned to the God of my mother. With unfailing faith for the child of her heart, she said, "Bring them up the way that you want them. Thank God, when they're grown, they'll never depart." I have returned to the God of my mother. I learned at her knee. He's the lily of the valley. He's Jesus to me, eternal deity. Praise His name. I have returned. I have returned to the God of my father, the most godlike man a child could know. I just heard a shout, praise God from the angels in glory, praising the Lord. A child has come home. I have returned to the God of my father. Creator of heaven and earth, He's the God of the universe. He's Jesus to me, eternal deity. Praise His name. I have returned. I have. Returned to the Yahweh of Judah. On my knees I did fall. Where the wall now stands, 
This lesson I learned as I made my way homeward. The Savior of all is a comfort to man. I have returned to the father of Abraham, the shepherd of Moses, who called him the great I am. He's Jesus to me, eternal deity. Praise his name. I have returned, praise his name, I have returned. Amen. Thank you, Cassie and Connie, for that. Appreciate that this morning. I don't know if when you were a kid, if you ever had a label maker. How many of you ever had one? You had a label maker? And you would go around and punch out your name and pull that label out and tear it off and put it on your doll or your dollhouse or your car or your wagon or your bicycle, and it was official then. It was yours. It belonged to you. You put the label on it. For the next four weeks, we're going to talk about labels, and I was looking at what the culture, or what modern times, calls negative labels. And here were some of the ones that I found. Hyperactive. That describes some of you, definitely. Um, shy, bossy. How many know somebody's bossy? Yes. Controlling, pushy, rebellious, stubborn, dependent, nosy, uncooperative, perfectionist, needy, Fidgety, talks too much, impatient, loud, asks too many questions, doesn't listen, talks to strangers, dislikes playing alone, independent, abandoned, abused, confused, desperate, insecure, nervous, and there were tons more. We all have labels that are assigned to us by other people. Our parents, teachers, friends, co-workers, spouses. In fact, I seriously doubt that there is a person in this room today that has not been handed a negative label at some point in your life. And so we want to start off by saying, join the club. We all have negatives. 
Every one of us has some type of label on us that someone has placed on us that they think is a negative. In fact, if you look at the scriptures, it's mind not mean to know this, but the word Christian itself is a negative label that was placed on the early followers of Jesus Christ as a negative impression. And so today we're going to cover some of these negative labels and how they work. Sometimes the labels are taken to the extreme. And modern society is doing everything possible to shut down the labeling system. Unless it involves labeling right-wing, nut-job, fundamentalist, wacko Christians. Right? (laughs) I mean, otherwise it's got to be shut down. Um, I read this week that the governor of Idaho started an ad campaign just this past week to stop cyberbullying. Now, how many of you know about cyberbullying? Yeah, it's, it's a new term. It's bullying people on Facebook and on Twitter and all those other websites. Schools are cracking down on kids being called bad names and being made fun of. If there was ever a kid that was made fun of, it was the guy we're going to look at this morning, Mephibosheth. Through his story, we will discover a truth that applies to all of us. There is nothing we can do to find our own acceptance. Nothing. Not a thing we can do to find our own acceptance. And so we're going to look in your notes at four parts of this passage. And we start by talking about being separated from the throne. Separated from the throne. Once again, if you'd like to follow along with the notes, they're in your bulletin. Tell you a little bit about this story that we read. Mephibosheth's grandfather was a man named King Saul, the first king of Israel. He was the enemy of David, the guy who killed Goliath. Um, Saul relentlessly pursued David, and he tried to kill him multiple times with multiple weapons. And so Mephibosheth grew up under the assumption that he was also the enemy of David. When he was only five years old, his father Jonathan and his grandfather Saul were killed in battle. And during the pursuit that followed, the nurse who was carrying him out of the area dropped him. And when she dropped him, Mephibosheth was permanently lamed. On both of his feet. He spent the years of his childhood and his adolescence hidden in an obscure location, an obscure house on the other side of the Jordan River, far from the capital, far from the kingdom. He had no land of his own, and he was as far as he could get from King David. He did not want to be found. He had been labeled as unfit for the crown by his uncle Ishbosheth and others. He was insignificant, permanently disabled, labeled. You know, there's only one negative label that matters. It's the negative label sinner. It's the only one that matters. See, sinner means that your sin has separated you from God. Sinner means that you are at permanent enmity, the Bible says, with God. Sinner means that you have no hope. You are unfit for eternal life. 
It's a good thing that that's not the end of the story. But Mephibosheth was separated from the throne. But then we see this next part. He was summoned to the throne. He was summoned to the throne. And it's a really amazing passage. When King David was a teenager, he had a special friendship with Jonathan, Saul's son. And the guy who became Mephibosheth's father. In fact, they had made a covenant together that affected generations that would follow them. Look back, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20. If you are a student of Bible history, you may remember this. David had been called to play the harp for King Saul. And as he sat there playing the harp, Saul decided that he would take a javelin and throw it at the harp player. That's a great fun time to play the harp, right? Everybody wanted to join the orchestra. And so Saul threw the javelin at David. Now David, here's how kind and innocent this young man was. When the javelin went beside his head into the wall, here's what he thought. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe he didn't mean to do that. And so he came back and played the harp again. And Saul threw a javelin at him again and tried to kill him. And Jonathan, Saul's son, became a friend of David to the point, look at chapter 20. And let's look at verse number 14. And thou shalt not only, while yet I live, show me the kindness of the Lord that I die not, but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him, for he loved him as his own soul. So they made a covenant. Now this is years before, over 20 years before. And now David is king. The covenant he made with Jonathan was over 20 years old. But he didn't forget about it. David started asking around to find out if there was anybody left from the house of Jonathan. And they found a guy who had been a servant of Saul named Ziba. Ziba told David about Jonathan's son, the lame kid. In fact, he never said his name, just his label. You know, some people are known only by their labels. They don't have a name. Nobody ever calls them by their name. They just call them by their label. How many of you have a nickname that somebody gave you? A nickname that somebody gave you. How many of you have a nickname that somebody gave you that you would be willing to share? All right, okay, we'll take a few. Take a few right here. Haas. I thought that was his name. All right, who, who else has got one? Yeah? Deke. Deke, all right. Kind of his name, Deacons, yeah. Skeet, all right, yeah. Stinker. Yeah, okay, well... <laughs> We'll go over here for a while. Okay, yeah? Toot. Kind of think you should be over with him. Okay, yeah. Spanky. Spanky, okay, yeah. She, sha? She shall do what? She shall? Like seashell? 
Sally sold seashells by the... Uh, this is a tongue. I've What? Steph. What's your name? Stephanie. Okay, so I got that. Yeah. AJ. Okay, so, so some are name-related. Some are related to things that you have done. Some are things related to we don't even want to ask because you have some weird nicknames out there and you've been labeled. So Ziba shows up before the king. David says, is there anybody left from the house of Saul? I want to be kind to this person. And Ziba said, yeah, the lame kid. The lame kid. And the lame kid was summoned to the throne. It's never said his name yet. Look back to 2 Samuel chapter 9. His name has never been mentioned yet. So they went to the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, and fetched him, the Bible says. They fetched him. By the way, if you want to do an interesting study, um, some theologians think that Maker, in this passage, that his other name was Eliam, and that he was the father of a girl named Bathsheba. Just want to throw that in if you want to study that later. But Mephibosheth, who is now at his mid 20s, is summoned before the king. See if you can imagine with me for just a minute the fear that Mephibosheth carried into his meeting with the king. Every negative label that he had carried for his whole life surfaced. He was going to be exposed. Every flaw visible before the throne. And in his mind, he thought, this is it. Judgment is coming. He's going to get rid of all trace of the line of Saul. Mephibosheth had no idea that grace was on the way. You know, there are billions of people on planet Earth today with the negative label of sinner stamped on their heads and their hearts. And many of them think that they have to overcome it on their own. They think that one day they're going to have to stand before a set of scales. Big, giant, huge set of scales at a judgment. With every part of them exposed. Starting with their motives and their thoughts. And if their good outweighs their bad, they'll be saved. They have no idea that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. They have no idea that God commendeth His love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so Mephibosheth was summoned to the throne. Let's catch up in the passage and see what happens next. Verse number 6, 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face. He fell on his face, an act of worship. He did reverence before the king. And we see submission before the throne. Submission before the throne. Mephibosheth arrives on the scene, and knowing how undeserving he was of anything good, he fell on his face before the king. I love what happens next. Look what happens in verse 
Number six, David calls him by name. David says one word, Mephibosheth. And this lame man, this lame man who was labeled from a very young age, offered the only thing he had to give himself. Look what he says. He said, Behold thy servant. He was humble and willing. But the gift of himself was not enough. Acceptance couldn't be gained through his identity. He was the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, but there was no acceptance through his identity. It couldn't be gained through his service. There was nothing he could do for King David. David didn't need him. Do you know one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that my Jesus is God? It's going to happen, guaranteed by God. The skeptic will bow. The agnostic will bow. The complacent man will bow. The procrastinator will bow. Every knee will bow. And on that day, your identity will not be enough. doesn't matter whose kid you are. Because the only label you have is sinner. It's the only label you have. You say, wait, hold on, I'm rich. I'm religious. I'm an executive. I have a big house. I have a nice car. I've got this. I've got that. I'm a good parent. I give to the poor. Only label we have is sinner. It's the only one. And when we are summoned to the throne, and we say, you know what? I've got this. I'll do this. It's not going to be enough. And for Mephibosheth, it wasn't enough. His works were not enough, and your works will not be enough either. Because they are stained by humanity. The Bible says even the righteousness that we try to do is like a filthy rag before an almighty holy God. There's nothing we can do on our own to please God. And if you are resting on who you think you are, when you come before the throne of God, you're in big, big trouble for all eternity. I can't stress to you enough that you are included in the group of people who will bow before the throne of Almighty God. Every person, every soul will bow before the throne. Every tongue will confess that He is God. But if you try at that point to offer yourself, it will not be enough. Not even close to enough. Verse number 7. I absolutely love what happens next. David says, fear not. Fear not. It's okay, my young friend. I will surely show thee kindness. Look at this next phrase. For Jonathan thy father's sake. See, Mephibosheth absolutely knew the truth about himself. He was undeserving. Look at the very next verse. He bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldst look upon such a dead dog as I am? He knew who he was. Inside, we all know 
how sinful we are. And we try to make excuses on the outside, and sometimes we try to cover things in our own heart. But we know the truth. We have broken God's law. If we didn't break it outwardly, we broke it inwardly. We've all had thoughts that were wrong. We've all said wrong words. We've all told lies. We've all stolen something in our lifetime. Every one of us is guilty, and we would have to stand before an almighty God and say, God, I'm undeserving. But acceptance was given to Mephibosheth for the sake of someone else. David said, I accept you, not because of who you are, but for Jonathan's sake. 1 John 2 says that your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. In another passage it says, he became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. First Peter says it this way, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. I can't be accepted by God on the basis of myself. My label is sinner. But I love what it says in Ephesians 1, that I can be accepted in the beloved. I can be accepted in Jesus Christ on the basis of my Savior. God can accept me from my labels but he can accept me in Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Tell you what, Mephibosheth, you get everything that pertains to your grandfather's estate. I know you're still lame, but you will eat at my table as one of the king's sons. For the rest of your life. Nope, you don't deserve any of it. But you get the highest place because of grace. Psalm 23, I think, beautifully describes the story of Mephibosheth. And hopefully, you. Look over at it, if you would. In Psalm 23, I'm sure that most of you have heard this psalm. And many of you even know it by heart. Look over there, if you would. Mephibosheth was adopted into the David family. He was adopted into the David family. And I have been adopted into the Jesus family. And I hope you have too. But look at Psalm 23. Point some things out here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Look at this. For his name's sake. Not because of me, because of him. For his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Mephibosheth, fear not. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Look at this verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me. Mephibosheth, you get to sit at my table for the rest of your life. In the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, God has given to us an amazing opportunity. Even though we're labeled sinner, He wants to remove that label and cover it with His blood. They call us sons and daughters. He wants us to understand that we are redeemed, we're accepted, we are given an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, reserved in heaven for you. God was under no obligation to love me, to accept me, but he did. Why don't you do something right now? Look down at your legs. Look down at your legs. You are spiritually lame. You are spiritually lame. Every, but I can walk. You're spiritually lame. Just like Mephibosheth. You are permanently disabled as a sinner. There is nothing you can do to save yourself. You can invent a lot of labels to think better of who you are, but God says you're a sinner. This is a direct quote from God. Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. His exact words from Revelation 3. There is nothing in your identity or your works to make you acceptable to the king. But there is a redeemer, Jesus, God's own son. And the moment you receive him as your savior, you are eternally acceptable to God with all the privileges of a son. And yes, you are still lame, but it's only for a while. Someday soon, God will wipe away all tears from our eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. The labels of this earth will be gone. And the only label that really matters, son of God, daughter of God, will last forever. Hey, lame boy. Look at the lame boy. Lame boy, come over here. Who are you talking to? I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. I sit at the king's table. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because even though I'm a sinner, through Jesus Christ, I have been accepted as a son. I wonder what the label is in your heart today. Maybe when you were a kid, your parents said some things to you that affected you for a very long time, maybe even still to today. Maybe there was a teacher who labeled you as dysfunctional. 
Maybe there was somebody on the school staff who said that you were a challenged student. Maybe there's somebody who hurt you in your life and you were labeled for some reason. We all share the same label. We're all in the center club. Every one of us are lame, permanently disabled through sin. And yet Jesus came to this earth and he hung on a wooden cross and he shed his pure and perfect blood to pay for our sins. And I hope that today you're wearing the label son or daughter of God. But if you're not, I can tell you how to do that. Let's bow in prayer. As we bow, can I share with you quickly, just in your own heart as you think before God, as you pray before God, if you understand that you are in need of a Savior, that you are wearing the label of sinner today, that the price for that label is eternal death, and you understand that Jesus paid that price on a cross, and now he offers you the gift of eternal life. You can receive that gift today. We can show you from God's word how to do that. Or you could even pray a prayer in your heart right now before God. In all sincerity and truth and say to God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve your love. But Jesus died on the cross for me. I accept the gift of life today. Jesus, would you come into my heart and save me? If you prayed that prayer right now in your heart, Jesus has saved you. I'd love to be able to talk with you about that and show you some scripture and share some assurance from God with you. Or maybe you'd like to come and make that commitment official at the altar today. Maybe you have a need on your heart. There could be a label that somebody's placed on you. And you need to come under the grace of God and understand who you are in Jesus Christ. You are accepted. You are loved. You have eternal life. Father, would you work in our midst today in a special way? Would you allow the Holy Spirit of God to reach down and touch our hearts about the labels in our lives? And Lord, if there's one here today who needs you as Savior and doesn't understand what that means, I pray that they would come. I pray that those who have been living under the cloud of negative labels would come and allow the grace of God to wash away those labels and to make them new. Bless us now during this time as we invite the hearers to respond to your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Would you stand?